Thank you very much, choir. Our lesson today comes from the book of Acts. It is the companion volume, which some of you know, to the Gospel of Luke. It's the only book in the Bible that tells the story of the early church. It is the shift that the New Testament makes from telling the stories of Jesus to looking at the work and the life of the church. Um, if you are still trying to discern um, how you're going to fill out this next step card, what maybe a next step for you is, reading through the book of Acts is a good place to start. Um, lots of great stories. You can read and watch as the early church discerns its next faithful step. You can see that more than a few times the church struggles with agreeing on what that next step would be. A few times the mission is almost lost. And a few times it is the call and response of one individual that aids the church in living out the gospel. And today's lesson from Acts chapter 9 is one such story. So as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your words be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your words be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So a reading from Acts chapter 9, the first part being the story of the conversion of Saul and then leading into his visit from Ananias. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now he was going along and approaching Damascus, Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and, through, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, there is um, some similarity in this story uh, to Jonah from last Sunday. Because to say that Saul was a persecutor of the church is, is not to say that lightly. I mean, he stood by and watched while Stephen was stoned, and it says in Scripture that he even approved of his killing. So there's similarity to the story, much like God sending a fish to rescue and maybe persuade Jonah. God throws Saul to the ground to get his attention. Um, but it's Ananias, I think. Ananias in this story who could most closely understand the dilemma of Jonah. It wasn't just that Jonah was called to go somewhere he didn't want to go. He was called to go to the Assyrians in Nineveh, a people who were known by the Israelites for their brutality. As I told the children in children's moment last week, they were the bullies. So Ananias may answer, here I am, Lord. But he soon finds himself saying, now wait a minute. I've heard about this guy. I'm sure you have too. He's a bully. And Ananias uses the word evil to describe Saul. He's done much evil. And he, he is the one you want me to go to? There has to be someone else. Someone faithful. Some disciple already living out the faith. Him? Seriously? I can't imagine it was a simple sentence from the Lord that changed Ananias' mind or maybe it was maybe he knew the story of Jonah and he was thinking about that ending Jonah under the tree angry that God had forgiven the Ninevites and God saying who are you to be angry we don't get a picture of this inner struggle of Ananias beyond that first question we're simply told that Ananias is a disciple a lifelong learner and follower of Jesus along the way he knows how to answer when called, here I am, Lord. He isn't afraid to question a bit, and he goes. And here's the beauty of this story. If we allow ourselves to sit with Ananias for a while before jumping to Saul, if you read on in Acts, we find that the next faithful step for this early, persecuted, struggling church, it comes about because of the long, hard, faithful work of Saul, who becomes Paul. But Saul only becomes Paul because Ananias obeyed and chose to step into the life of Saul. Only through the presence of Ananias does Saul see and receive the Holy Spirit. It's only through the presence of Ananias that Saul encounters the community that he has been persecuting in a different way. 
It's through the presence of Ananias representing this community that Saul is shown a new way. Ananias represents the community that Saul is being called to be a part of. The next fateful step for Saul, the next fateful step for the church, it takes place because of community, in the presence of one person with another. And it isn't just Saul that changes. Ananias has his own movement, his own change in thinking and acceptance because he was faithful to his call and willing to place himself in the presence of the other. When Ananias is first called, um, he won't even use Saul's name. Even though we know from his own words, he's heard from many about this man. He calls him this man. I mean, you can almost hear the derogatory nature, the way much of us may say, you won't believe what this woman did or what that man said. We know what we're doing when we use such statements. We're placing the one named in another category. They've done something. Their fault is with them. In those moments, we don't see the image of Christ they carry. We dehumanize. They are simply this woman, this man. But Ananias doesn't stay there. He goes to Saul, he enters the house, he lays hands on Saul, and he says, Brother Saul. His very words place him in a different posture before Saul. Brother Saul, I see you. I'm here for you. The Lord has sent me so that you might also see. Ananias and Saul both received something from the other. And Ananias and Saul, they could have easily lived their entire lives separated. Angry. Fearful. At odds with one another, believing in their own righteousness and believing in the others, for lack of a better word, wrongness. But in one another's presence, transformation happens. Christmas Eve, we met and we were closing out our series using um, the book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And I shared that I need a story of faith that says transformation is possible. A story where, like the Grinch, a heart can grow three sizes. Acts chapter 9 is a story of transformation. And transformation, um, a transformation that takes place because of the next fateful step of an individual called by God. Yes, ultimately it is the presence of Jesus that makes all things new for both men. But Ananias must love and include one he has named as evil. And Saul must embrace his new name, Paul, and his new mission, to witness the risen Christ to Gentiles and kings and the people of Israel, to move beyond his own tribalism to reach all of humanity. For Paul will be an instrument for a wholly new enterprise, 
one that Saul could not have imagined or anticipated. My friends, we believe in a God of transformation. And the God of the gospel summons and empowers persons to new life. There's truth um, in these stories. Individual persons that are called out to a life of joyous obedience um, that they could not have imagined. And this transformation occurs over and over and over again, not in isolation, not in clinging to our tribe, not in refusing to meet and name the other, but as we take those next faithful steps, um, sometimes begrudgingly into community, as we allow ourselves to be shaped by others, to learn from others, to forgive others, and trusting that in Jesus Christ, um, all persons can be called, can become new, can enter a new journey. I came across this prayer for guidance in um, one of my prayer books this week and thought it was a perfect one as we kind of transition our own move to the table, uh, God's table, a place open to all. And it says this, Oh God, here I am, a single entity. Help me to be a source of light by your spirit. Keep me from being weary. Help me to continue to remember that your grace is sufficient. Continue to light my path and help me in all things, not to rely on my own insight, but to trust in you with all my heart. For you will direct my paths. May it be so. Amen.